created by Rio Grande. San Diego Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 172. They are on the lookout for two men described as soldiers. Last seen driving Dodge touring cars. One man has a deep voice. Thought to be heading for Mexican border. He's been a killer, that's all. times around the world. What a test for Japanese. That's the police car performance test. Run for you by your police car. Fire engines, ambulances, and emergency equipment last year. That's Rio Grande's truck gasoline performance. Almost all gasolines are advertised as having more power, more pickup, more mileage. But no test compares with the operation of emergency equipment. For police cars like your own, have long, smooth, cruising miles that must be economical. They start and stop in traffic all day long. But when those accelerators go down to the floor and the sirens open wide, it's Rio Grande cracks gasoline and only Rio Grande that powers more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment wherever it is sold than any other brand. Fifty million miles. That should be the test to end all tests for gasoline as far as you are concerned. When those to whom gasoline performance means the most, overwhelmingly choose Rio Grande Track. And remember, Rio Grande's 50 million mile tests are run with the same gasoline that you can buy at your independent Rio Grande dealer. Tonight, it is our pleasure to present Captain Harry J. Kelly, Chief of Detectives of the San Diego Police Department. Captain Kelly. Good evening. The case you will hear tonight is an excellent example of what happens when human beings make the mistake of taking a first step on the wrong side of the law. One small thing leads to another until a final and cautious error is made. That has taken another human's life. The men who find themselves assigned the job of running a criminal and tonight's story down, discovered that they had bitten off almost more than they could chew. It was more than a tough job. It was a seeming impossibility. However, because part of our early training in the importance of hanging on to a clue, no matter how thin it may seem, these officers managed to push aside the obstacles in their way and eventually accomplish the impossible, that of bringing their men back to face justice. It was a long chase and a hard one, but it proved very definitely that in a final analysis, Crime is a poor, paid business. It is the morning of January 10th, 1918. John C. Sheldon, line man for the Consolidated Gas and Electric Company of San Diego, and two members of his crew are repairing a telephone line. The sun, shining brightly, throws shadows of eucalyptus trees, clearly on the warm surface of a paved road. The sun, the heat, after a long siege of winter rain, creates a relaxing atmosphere. The men long to be finished with the job, long to rest during their noon hour. Sheldon is perched on the cross arm of a telephone pole. The others are waiting below. Are you going to want a new insulator for that line, Sheldon? No, the insulator's all right. 
The line itself is just losing a little. I'll get it in a minute. You drew a tight in his all. Just what these two soldiers did from the time you picked them up on. Can you do that? 
Well, I give you that step into the lake because my wife's been sick. She had an operation. Oh, I guess I need to No, no, don't bother. Just tell me what the soldier yes. did if you want. Yeah, well, well, they came up and asked me to take them to Lemon's you see. And I said, sure, boys, jump in and start it out. That's why one of them leaned over in the seat and gonna ask questions about the car. I guess he'd never driven a car and wanted to learn, you see. And I told him I'd teach him for $5. I've had quite a few people want to learn, you know. I think everybody should learn to drive a car, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. Now, what did the soldiers do? Oh, uh, well, this guy wanted to know all about the gear shift and stuff, and I answered his question for a while. But when we got to National City, uh, he told me to take a shortcut down the road, see? And I knew there wasn't a shortcut, and I got suspicious, and I stalled my motor. I stalled my motor, see? And I just pulled the choke out and stalled. He <laughs> didn't catch on. I guess they put it in some cars, all right. I think they'd have seen him for a joke, wouldn't you? Oh, yes. Then what happened? Well, I was scared. Oh, I was scared, but I didn't let them know, sir. I, didn't let them... I told them that I had engine trouble. I said, I guess we better go back, boys. And they didn't uh, say anything, so I turned around and come back. Well, uh, when we got within the city limits, they said they wanted to get out, and I said, oh, I suppose I'll take you right back where I took the couple, and so I said, you need to know your friends what you don't get, they wouldn't hear of it, so I left them out the edge of the city. They said they'd take the streetcar and the rest of the way. Well, I was willing to drive them back downtown, because I had to go there anyway, but, heh, <laughs> yeah, they just got out. Uh, don't you think you could identify them if you saw them again? Well, do you think that the ones who did it? You're right, you know, and they're both young. But they didn't look like they'd do anything like that. Yeah, I was a little suspicious at times. I didn't think they'd kill nobody. If I thought that, you know what I'd done? I'd call the police. That's what. They were young. And they said, listen, now, they said they were from that 157th infantry. That's it. Oh, I've seen worse with the men. Oh, well, I wait just a minute, Mr. Register. Isn't there anything special you can remember about them? Well, let me see. Of course, I didn't see him much, you know, because in the back seat, only one of them, not just one of them, because he was the oldest one I'd seen. He said, oh, and low boys had awful low boys. So there's Matt. He knows McCray. you want to talk to him? I'll call him over to you. Yeah, I'll call him. Hey, Matt! Matt! Yeah. I, I don't think he knows anything about it. He's a pretty good friend of McCrary. Come on, Matt, Polly. Paul McCrary. I didn't think nobody would want to hurt him. Hello, Matt. Say, McCrary was killed last night. This is a detective. I was telling about how everybody liked him. McCrary killed? Well, I was just talking to him last night. Why, oh, that's awful. You saw him last night? Well, yeah. We said they'd find talk for a while. What sort of a car did McCrary drive? A Dodge. Dodge turn car. Well, now, did you happen to see two soldiers around while you were there? Yeah. He came up and hired his car while I was talking to him. Do you know who did it? No, no. We are trying to find out. Well, you tell me what these soldiers did. Well, like I said, we were standing there, and they came up and asked Frank how long it would take to drive over to Lemon Grove, and he said it would take about an hour and a half, and they said it'd be fine, and jump in the back seat and go down Fifth Street. Mm-hmm. But what time was that? Well, I'd been to the show. It was about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, just doesn't seem right not to have Paul Frank around no more. Oh, I'd like to lay my hands on Just a moment. Do, uh, do either of you know if McCleary carried much money around with him? Well, I, oh, I don't think so. None of us carry much more, you know, and just enough to make changes in state these times. You never know. I never carry anything but a few tools on my front seat. Frank used to carry a lap robe in his. I, I never do that. You know, I remember one time... Minute, you say you carried a lap robe? Yeah, I remember. It was a bright colored one. Blue and red check. Oh, that may help. Now, look, Matt, do you think you could tell them if you saw them again? Oh, sure, I'll tell them in a minute. I've got to get memories of faces. They were young, and both of them were dark. The older one, the one who did all the talking, had sharp features, and the young one had flat features. He was shorter. Mm-hmm. Remember anything else? Hey, listen, did the one who did the talking have a low voice, Matt? Low yeah, voice? that's right. He had a deep, deep voice. They must be the same one. I remember the boys. So, did they get, you, get out with you, too? Yeah, only I got suspicious and turned around when I was out in National City. Gee. Yeah, and supposing I had you turned around, maybe McCrary would be talking to you, and I'd be laying out there with a hole in my head. A short time later, Myers and Kelly, who were heading east on the road where McCrary was found, called their office in San Diego. Learn what has been discovered there. Learn that the two men they are following are soldiers. One with an exceptionally low-pitched voice. That they are traveling in a dark shooting car. Turn to the brightly colored lap robe. The big clues, as you can on the road, take to the suspect. The speed to Imperial Valley. The 
up law officer in probation. The foreman of the railroad construction gang reports that he has seen a dark building car parked on the side of the road with two soldiers working on the motor. The men rush to the top, finding nothing but a few footprints and an oily rag. Realizing, however, that they're on the right track and that the men have lost time, they speak well central. Go to the sheriff of Imperial County, James Applesfield, to request his cooperation. Sheriff, we followed these men from San Diego. We're sure we were on the right track. In fact, we found traces of them just a few miles outside of El Centro. But we're going to have to have help now. You see, there's so many places that might go from here that, well, it would be next to impossible for two men to accomplish anything. We know we're close to them because they had engine trouble. We've got to have help now. Well, I'll be glad to do all I can, boys. Now, if the men you're trailing are the murderers, they'll undoubtedly head for the Mexican border. Are you sure they're in uniform? Well, they've been identified as soldiers by everyone we've talked to. Well, in that case, they'll have a hard time getting into Arizona. Well, I think the logical place to look for them is along the border. I'll call Calexico and have the officers from there make all the border points. Sheriff, Mr. Price outside and wants to see you. All right, send him in. Yes, sir. Now, get that call in. Uh, can you think of any additional dope on those men? No, I think you have it all. Okay, I'll pass it along. Yes, sir. And get me the collector's dope, please. Yes, sir. Uh, hello, Price. I'll be right with you. Oh, there's no hurry. Collector's dope, please. Johnson speaking. Hello, Johnson. Apple's still speaking. Oh, hello, John. Yes, uh, I'd like to have you cover the border road for me and help me pick up some men, Johnson. Now, here's a description. There are two of them, both in Army uniforms, 157th Infantry. Both dark. One has a very low-pitched voice. Huh? Yes, yes, that's right, a low-pitched voice. Yeah, both young. They're driving a dark touring car. And that's all we have on them. Well, keep our eyes open, sir. All right, we'd like to get them. They're killers. Uh, let me know as soon as anything develops. What's all this about, Sheriff? These men in the dodge. Uh, a couple of men who committed a murder in San Diego are in this vicinity. Did you think they were in a dodge touring car? Yeah, that's right. Why? Because I passed a car like that on my way into town just a few minutes ago, parked on the side of the road. <laughs> up this bit of unexpected information, Captain Myers and Detective Kelly, led by Bright, are soon examining the car, which is a ruin. A brightly colored lap robe positively identifies it as belonging to McCrary. The spot where it is found is only a few hundred yards from the international border, which is unguarded at this point. But one conclusion is left. The fugitives have crossed the border into the Republic of Mexico. After a short conference, Myers and Kelly decide to continue after them personally. Hurried plans are made. And Deputy Sheriff Henry Gonzalez, well known along the border, is summoned. Gonzalez, you probably know better than we do what we're going to get into down there. Well, from now on, everything depends on luck. We may get help from the officials, and we may not. No matter what happens, we're going to do everything we can to get those men. I will do everything I can to help. <laughs> On the morning of January 11, 1918, the three men crossed the border, speed along the nearly impassable Mexican road. Suddenly, with no warning, the car comes to a stuttering halt, refuses to start again. Surrounded by an inquisitive group of natives, Myers at the wheel listens to the discouraging sound of a laboring stop. Looks like we're through with the car. Do it there. I'll try it once more. Yeah, go ahead. Give it 
Rockies all through, I guess. No fooling. Gonzalez, see if anyone in this crowd has horses that we can buy. Please, I survive. Yeah, it's a fine world if you stand up on these roads. Yeah, fine country. Just the place I've been looking for to spend my vacation, I don't think. Senor Mike. Yeah, what luck? The senor, a big man. He has horses. He always goes to America on the people. It's friends around. To America? Good. Get him to stay here and ask him where we can get a hold of the police. by a group of Mexican police of the distance two miles of the land where the fugitive is being seen. Hey, you know, you know, this ride can end any time. Well, I'm concerned. Boy, I might say that I'm just a little bit poor. Oh, no, I guess we aren't the men we used to be. I'm beginning to feel it, too. Yeah. Hey, look at Gonzalez, you know. He's like a... Like a sack in that saddling. Oh, that guy was probably born on a horse. Yeah. Hey, look. They're all stopping. What do you suppose is up? Hey, Gonzalez. What's yeah. the idea? Tell him to keep going. Well, one minute, senor. I find out why they are stopped. What's in the bar, Bob? Alabama's mercenary. I want your old boy to be a friend of the man. They, uh, they say they will go no farther. They say these rancid belong to one of the men's brothers. He will not go to you. Well, you tell him we don't want the brother. Tell him we want the men that are there. Sure. Well, you ought to already tell him that. He said the men are friends. They say they will not go. Well, we'll go alone then. Find out how to get there. But they will not tell me, senor. They say we cannot go. We will be mad. I think it is better we do not go. Oh, I'm not going to give up when I'm this close. You tell him to come back. We'll find the place. I think it is better we do not go, senor. It is better we keep. Walked at every turn, Myers and Kelly once again find themselves left with no choice but to return to Mexicali. But arriving there, they find news. The foreman, who earlier had tipped some jollies off as to the whereabouts of the suspect, claims that less than an hour after Myers and Kelly had left for the ranch, the two soldiers had appeared in Mexicali. But they apparently had discovered the fact that they were being followed and had left immediately. Realizing this makes matters even worse than before, the two detectives first checked with the Mexican military commander of the district of Maria, California, Governor Esteban Cantu, who promises to have all his posts keep a lookout for the criminals. Then called San Diego to inform Chief Hayes of their progress. And here they receive their second piece of news within the day when Chief Hayes orders them back to San Diego. As he has uncovered new evidence as to the identity of the wanted men. Accordingly, Myers and Kelly make the drive back to San Diego. Find that from a list of army deserters, two men and pictures of two more men answering the description of the murderers are being held for identification. The first two are released after being faced by Metz and Register, the cab driver. But when they are shown the pictures of the other two... These are the two. These are the ones who took the ride with me. They're the same ones, only I got suspicions when I came back. I remember this one. He's the one that told me to go down that street. He's the one that had the low voice. And he's the one that asked me all about the gear shift. I thought it was funny at the time, too. Are they the ones who killed McCrary? Well, uh, they, if I could just lay oh, my wait hand. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's, let's have a look at it. These are the ones, all right. Remember I told you one had sharp features? Yeah. Yeah, well, this is him. He's the one that had the deep voice. This other one has flat features, just like I said. They're the ones that drove away with McCrary that night, and I'm sure of it. Fine. That's about all you can do for us now. We want to get in touch with you later, so don't leave town unless you let us know. We'll call on you when we need you. Goodbye. Go on. I told you I had to write the letter. 
Now, Billy, you go out to Camp Carney. Gather every single article you can find that belonged to either of these men and bring them in. Right. We've got a little more to work with now. Check up on the Army records, too. Three hours later, the officer returns. Well, how'd it go, Kelly? Oh, not so hot. They made a good job of it. They destroyed every bit of writing they had except these three cards. Wait a minute, last line. Here they are. They're so dirty, you can hardly read them. What are their names? Well, William B. Griffin and Horace St. John Clark. St. John, huh? That's a good one. Yeah. Clark enlisted at Parkdale, Colorado, and Griffin at Denver. Let me see those cards. Can you make anything out of them? Yeah, I made a name out of one of them, but you better check it and see that one. Gladys. Gladys Galbraith. I think that's it. Here's an address, 1900. 1900 South. 1900. Hey, what's this? Parkdale, South 40. Parkdale, South. I've heard that before. Well, it doesn't mean a thing to me. Wait a minute, I've got it. I remember it's a car line in Denver. Yeah, that's right. it. I didn't know that you ever been to Denver. Sure, I lived there for about three months. That's what it is, I'm sure of it. This must be an address there, too. Well, sure it is. I remember South Street now. Get me a clerk. I'll get a letter off the police in Denver and have them get a hold of this, Gladys Galbraith. The Denver police, on receipt of the letter, go to work at once. Detectives George E. and Henry J. Genty are sent to the address. And an hour later, they have Gladys Galbraith in their office, not questioning her. Oh, Gladys? Do you know two soldiers named Griffin and Clark? Yeah, I know Bill Griffin. Why? You heard from him lately? No, I'm married now, and I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to be bothered about him. Well, uh, where is he now, do you know? No, I don't know where he is, and what's more, I wouldn't tell you if I did. What do you think of that? Well, if you don't know where he is, you can't help it. That's right. Can I go now? Sure, you can go. Thanks. What's the idea, she knows more than she's telling. I know that. We're going to keep our eyes on her and watch the mail. She thinks we're through with her. She'll be natural. You know, she'll keep on doing the things she usually does. Oh, I get it. And I'm just the boy to do it. So long. Two days passed and nothing developed. But on the third day, Jenny intercepts a letter addressed to Gladys Galbraith. And after one glance at the signature, she bursts in on Eve. Good. Let's have it. Hmm. Don't tell anyone I am here. My life wouldn't be worth a dime as you did. I am working at the John Smith Ranch, 12 miles from Fountain. Listen to this. Come to Fountain on Tuesday. We'll meet you there and we'll have the ranch payroll. We'll go to Mexico. I'll meet you at the corner of 3rd and Mill Street. Well, Jeffrey. Something tells me you and I are due for a little trip to the corner of Third and Street and Fountain. On the next day at 1.30, and Jenny are in the little town of Fountain, standing on the corner of Third and Mill Street. Nice, quiet little town, eh? Yeah. How are we supposed to pick out these guys when there isn't anybody on the street? Well, 
was no danger of any false arrest. That's one thing. And he took a look now. But I think our men are walking this way. And he's looking around as if he's expecting somebody. Let's just slip around the corner here and see if they stop him. Featured article, 
Star interviews and many interesting news stories. Make it a point to drive into an independent Rio Grande service station tomorrow and get police car performance in your own car. Please calling all cars. Attention, all cars. Cancellation broadcast 172. Regarding a murder and a robbery. Suspects in this case now in custody. That's all. Good night, or Leo Bandit.